Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Coffee Podcast, your weekly blend of motivation, encouragement, education, and insights into all things medicine for junior doctors and medical students in South Africa. Welcome to episode 18. I can't wait for you to meet our special guest this week, who's Batty Herbst, the current president of the Biokinetics Association of South Africa. But before we dive into the interview, let me quickly tell you about our partners on this week's episode. Aestheticos Portrait Studio is a photography studio based in Sanson, Johannesburg. They specialize in individual and family portraits, and if you're looking to upscale your professional or online presence, you really need to contact them to arrange a shoot. You can check out their work on their website, www.aestheticos.art. And when you make a booking with them, be sure to quote Dr. Coffee for 15% off of your package. Our second partner on this week's episode is Wolf Financial Services. If you tuned in to episode 17, you're familiar with Wolf and their philosophy of protecting the practice. Wolf have been super kind and have generously made available all of their online curriculum to listeners of the Dr. Coffee podcast. So if you register on their website at the URL www.diawolf.co.za forward slash Dr. Coffee, you can complete all of those courses free of charge and get two CPD points for completion of each course, up to 16 points in total. And now to this week's guest. Betty Herbst is the current president of the Biokinetics Association of South Africa, and I invited him onto the podcast to tell us a little bit more about what it's like to be an allied health professional. You know, as a junior doctor or a medical student, we sometimes think of our colleagues in the allied health professions as people who wanted to get into medicine but didn't. However, that's far from the reality. All of them are highly trained professionals at what they do, and so we as doctors really need to understand the role of the allied professions so that we can optimize our patients, look after them the best. One of the things I got out of our conversation is the skill and science behind all of the allied professions, and I think that it will help to build a mutual respect amongst health professionals. I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So without any further ado, let's meet Bertie Herbst. Welcome to the Dr. Coffee Podcast, Batty Herbst, the President of the Biokinetics Association of South Africa. Ah, yes. Thank you, Simon. Uh, it's an honor for me to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And I'm quite excited to have this coffee chat with you today. Yeah, speaking of coffee, we're having it in these beautiful Biokinetics mates. Yes. So how do you take your coffee? Well, Simon, unfortunately, I don't want to interfere. Okay or cause a disruption in your whole Dr. Coffee chat. Okay, so are we going off brand a bit? Uh, we're not going to go <laughs> off brand. But um, uh, I actually don't drink coffee at all. I just saw you order a cappuccino. <laughs> I ordered a cappuccino just because of you. <laughs> just because I know you and for this invitation, I thought, well, this is on a Dr. Coffee chat. So okay. let's have coffee with uh, Dr. Simon here. So this is obviously... I can't miss this opportunity to have a coffee. I normally have about two to three cups a year. Oh, wow. And I think this is probably my second or my third cup for the year of coffee. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so you so really don't drink coffee? I really don't drink coffee. I'm, I'm the odd peculiar person, actually. And people think I'm crazy health-orientated. Yeah. But normally in the mornings, what I do for uh, a morning drink is I have a lukewarm um, green tea. Okay. With a freshly squeezed lemon okay. uh, in the green tea, uh, filled with some water, yeah. and then I swallow that down with a tablespoon of olive oil. That is my morning 
drink. So I, I dare say that <laughs> my co- uh, coffee in the morning tastes a little bit better than that. I believe it's tasting a bit better. I must say, I must say, sometimes my cheeks are sitting here next to my ears. Yeah. Um, but that's my morning drink. So, but for today, cheers. This is cheers, my. Russ. This is. I did not know that you did warn me that it was going to be an I interesting warn you chat. It was going to be an interesting start. So. I'm glad we kept that question. <laughs> Okay, well, for the benefits of those who don't know you, yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, your name is Batsy Herbst. You're the current president of the Biokinetics Association of South Africa, but obviously there was a journey of training and developments to reach that point. So, let's start with after school, how you got into biokinetics. Well, Simon, so after school, uh, I attended uh, varsity, and we have a degree which is called the 3 plus 1 degree. Okay. Uh, that's recently changed or, or converted to a four-year degree, mm-hmm. but the three one three plus one degree actually is a undergrad degree plus a postgrad degree, mm-hmm. and in the postgrad that's where we also do our internship in that year and the following year. So I went on and I did a exercise physiology or clinical exercise physiology uh, degree, okay. which was equivalent to an honors degree. For undergrad, and then I did my postgrad, which was an honors in biokinetics. Yes, so so biokinetics was always the goal, yes. but you took an extra year of exercise physiology to kind of add on top. Yeah, no. So so in biokinetics, you first have to do an undergrad mm-hmm. degree mm-hmm. to do your postgrad. Degree. And would that be human movement sciences? Yes, that's human movement sciences. That's sports science. That's exercise. Uh, sport and exercise technology, exercise science, it's any of those courses. Every university actually has their own sort of course, which I call it, and then you follow into your postgrad course, which is then biokinetics. Okay. And then from there on, you do your internship after your year. Yes. And now, internship, so when we hear the word internship, that might mean different things to different people. Mm. As a junior doctor, you're thinking of working in a public hospital. Uh, with consultant doctors who are, it's still part of your training and the HPCSA has to sign off on, on what you're doing. Yeah. Tell us about what internship means for a biokineticist. Yeah, so internship for a biokineticist, unfortunately we, our borders aren't flexed that broadly into the public sector. Okay. So mainly our internship consists of private practices where we do our internship. The first year of internship is part of your honours degree. Then your second year of internship is when you then venture out into the public space where you will then do into a private practice, you might do it in an organization. You can also do your internship at the university. Um, Some institutions or governmental institutions actually offer um, that role in the public sector, but as I mentioned, is not as broad as some of the other allies, yeah. Okay, so um, it's interesting that internship has to happen in private practice does an intern get paid, or is this part? Because you mentioned it's part of your, it's part yeah, of your training. Yeah. So, do you manage to get students that are coming and working for you for free, or uh, are they getting paid a salary? How does that work? Yeah. So, internship is definitely paid because it's an employment, mm. and employment falls under the basic conditions of Employment Act, which is governmental related or constituted, and for that reason, you have to be contracted and then remunerated okay. for your services in the first year. Uh, during your honours year, they, um, that's not payable because you're still a student. But once you become registered with the Health Professions Council of South Africa as an intern, yes. Uh, then yes, you do okay. get paid if you get a contract. So where did you do your internship and all of that? So um, I started off at, at Pretoria okay. uh, for my first honours and then 
in Zululand for my second honours. Oh, wow. Then I moved to Milpach Hospital here in Johannesburg, yeah. uh, where I did my internship here. And then from there on, I became a private practitioner in my own practice. Okay, and you've always been in Joburg since? Ever since. Okay. I thought I was going to go back to Pretoria, but then I met my wife, and that was the end of that story. Okay, so. yeah, got another <laughs> Yeah. And then, and then you did your master's. Tell us about your master's, your further research and training there. Yeah. So, Simon, I was about probably um, three, almost four years, nearly four years into private practice. And then I got this little tap on the shoulder to say that, listen, you know, I'm a growth-orientated person. Uh, I believe that everything in my, in my personal, in my professional career is growth-orientated, not just goal-orientated. So, I wanted to grow in the profession. So, I then moved on and I did my uh, master's degree. And I did my master's degree at uh, Witwatersrand University. And the master's degree was a master's of science in medicine. Okay. Uh, for the field of biokinetics at uh, the therapeutical science department. Yeah. Wow, okay, yeah. that's why you say exercise is medicine. Yeah. And what has that brought to your biokinetics practice? So, definitely strength in terms of my knowledge. Okay. Um, because it was a two-year coursework, uh, plus a research report that we had to submit. Um, I did my research in electromyography on the quadriceps muscle yeah. uh, during... Um, and analyzing between patients with and patients without patellofemoral pain syndrome during daily functional activities such as sit to stand, walking upstairs, walking downstairs and so forth. So that definitely strengthened my knowledge and although we as biokineticists aren't specialists, we can't become specialists like mm -hmm. doctors will become mm -hmm. specialists in neurology or orthopedics mm -hmm. or so forth, uh, we can't necessarily become a specialist but we can become biokineticists with special interest in a specific topic. So then I became a biokinetics with special interest in knee rehabilitation okay. uh, where I focus in that area. So that strengthened me from that perspective as well and my knowledge broadened and I also started seeing a lot more knee patients. Uh, so I enjoy that type of field yeah. working with that. It's very interesting especially now I think when we speak about biokineticists, uh, physiotherapists, uh, occupational therapists, I think as medical doctors we don't appreciate the nuances and the subtleties but that, that delineates these specialities. Mm. And so I think it's very helpful to have somebody like yourself on the, the podcast to explain to us what exactly a biokineticist does. So uh, at, for the, at a very nuts and bolts level, what is the scope of biokinetics? <clears throat> what will you treat and see that a physio won't? Um, and when would we refer to a biokineticist? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Simon, that is such a good question. You know. Um, and I get this question all the time because patients often get referred from doctors mm -hmm. and they sit in, in my practice and they'll, while I assess them, they'll be like, so what, right, what exactly is the difference between a physio or you and a chiro or yeah. you and an OT? Or why did the orthopedic surgeon not do this himself? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you just assess my, my range of my knee, but an orthopedic surgeon just did it as well. Why do you do it again? Yes. Um, so, we're often seen as the, the bottom link of the chain of the referral pattern. Also. What do you mean bottom link? So obviously when a patient's getting injured, okay. the first stop is the general practitioner in general. Okay. So they will, they might uh, sprain an ankle. Casualty. Yeah. Oh, casualty, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they might end up in casualty and uh, the doctor in casualty will obviously attend, uh, give some pain medication, maybe some inflammatories and say, right, there you go, 
Here is a business card of a physiotherapist for injuries. Yes. Um, go and see the physiotherapist after maybe three to five days once the inflammation or the pain subsided a little bit. Yes. You'll go to the physiotherapist, the physiotherapist then will continue and treating the pain, treating the inflammation, try and create some mobility and just help you to become near functional. Yes. Right? And generally there, in most instances, that's where physios then will refer on to the biokinetics. Okay. The biokinetics then take on a patient and continue with what we would rather call the strength and conditioning rehabilitation of the patient. To prevent so, injuries from happening again? Well, or to repair, repair that injury that's already happened? Yeah, to continue the repair okay. process. Yes. Uh, the healing process or yes. the rehabilitation process yes. or, uh, of the patients and then also to try and prevent uh, re-injury and injury at the same instance. So basically we as biokineticists, we, we manage, like all the other adults, we manage um, illnesses and diseases uh, such as cancers, uh, diabetes, oh, wow. um, strokes, uh, cardiovascular yeah. diseases. And then we also deal with uh, injuries, you know, such as your trauma injuries, your rugby injuries, your your sporting injuries, um, just general functional injuries. Maybe a person in a gymnasium mm -hmm. that injured themselves, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a shoulder or so forth. You've, and you've we left out an important population group of crossfitters. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't want to be throwing with tomatoes on my way to yeah. the car. Um, but yes, we, we, we tend to see all sorts of uh, an array of sports and we yeah. manage we manage the illnesses diseases and the injuries yes. of, of these conditions uh, through exercise so oh. we are all about the exercise and earlier I said although we can't be referred to as specialists mm. I, I do feel and we do feel that we are the specialists in exercise mm. because we we typically study exercise for four years yes. minimum four to five years wow. We study exercise and that's all we do. That is our modality and our prime modality that we're focusing on is mm. exercise. And obviously with an exercise, there are different components of exercise. And that components consist of anything from cardiovascular training, uh, plyometric training, uh, mobility, flexibility, strengthening, uh, neuromuscular control work that we're wow. doing, proprioception and balance. And those are all the factors that we are working on. So it's not just about running into a gym, giving an exercise program and say, right, <clears throat> Do three by ten repetitions of a squat exercise and you'll be fine. No, it's yeah. actually a lot more complicated because it all boils down to how we prescribe. Yes. So obviously as doctors, you guys prescribe medicine and you will tell the patient, well, take one twice a day after a meal. So we will come and say, right, so you're going to do three to four sets or 15 to 20 repetitions twice a day with a loading of at least seven to eight out of ten effort level. Yeah. With a minimum pain or a maximum pain level of, let's say, 3 out of 10 yeah. uh, as discomfort. Sure. Anything more than that, you need to stop or slow down, if that makes sense. Wow. So that is where the complexity is coming for biokineticists. It's not necessarily the exercise, but it's more the prescription of how we prescribe exercise. Yeah. And that's where we differ uh, from, let's say, personal trainers and maybe uh, Pilates instructors and, um, you know, maybe CrossFitters and all of those type of guys. I mean, they prescribe exercise brilliantly, but when it comes to a rehabilitative aspect, that's where we, where our key corn, uh, goal is, uh, yes. where our cornerstone is, yeah. I think for our listeners, they can definitely appreciate just how scientific the approach of biokinetics is yeah. versus, mm. and this is to take nothing away from a personal trainer who, say, done a diploma. Mm. That diploma, I don't think there's any personal training diploma that requires a four-year degree plus internship, plus, I mean, you have a master's. Mm. There's certainly not that level of education and the amount of science that's going into it. 
I do like that the patient has quite a, a fair bit of um, involvement in the care in the subjective measure of you saying, hey, I want you to push through pain, but only to three out of ten. Yeah. You know, that a patient can say, um, Betty, I, I actually felt quite comfortable there. So instead of doing 20 reps, I did 30. Yeah. And then you can adjust the treatment plan yeah, accordingly. And from a medical point of view, like one of the most frustrating things is trying to get your patients on board mm. to get them to be uh, what we, we call adherence or compliance with the yeah. medication um, and to really for them to see the value of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you ever get frustrated with patients? Are, are there any <laughs> occasions where you say, you know, all you had to do was this minor exercise twice a day. It couldn't yeah. be that hard. Uh, so first of all, is my patients going to see this video as well so I can uh, see where I can I'm draw the sure. line? I'm not sure. I mean, we, we have a growing audience, but I don't think it's extended to... So, <clears throat> so frustration, absolutely. Yeah. Like any other, like any other medical practitioner. Because you care. You care about your patients. Absolutely. That's why you get frustrated is when you care. Mm. You see, if you don't care, you don't get frustrated because then it's easy to just pass on and say, well, my job is done, move along. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't, no, I don't really get frustrated. You know why? Um, and I, it's something I always hone in on and that's vision. I always have a, I have a vision for my practice mm -hmm. and I hone in on a vision. And under this vision, I have all my purposes and my goals and my objectives. And something that's quite key that you mentioned earlier is the exercise science behind this. Because that's what we do. So if you go on our website, bikinetics.sa.org.za, mm -hmm. you will actually see uh, our whole terminology there is all about a scientific exercise program prescription. Mm -hmm. And it's all based around evidence-based medicine. Yes. So when a doctor sees evidence-based medicine, I think like, but it's only for us, you know. Evidence-based medicine is broad. It's so big when it comes to the allied health, like physio and bio and chiro and OTs and speech and dietetics and all of those guys, we really focus a lot on evidence-based medicine. And one thing that I appreciate what you mentioned earlier is, is that you said that we, we hone in on the subjective aspects. Mm -hmm. Now we as biokineticists, one of our, probably one of our strengths as a profession in the medical paternity or field mm -hmm. is our measurements. So it's not only just uh, ophthalmologists who have fancy equipment yes. and does fancy tests and those type of things, yeah. or cardiologists that will do like maybe an angiogram or an orthobot that might do a scope. Yeah. Uh, we actually have incredible equipment where we can wow. measure every single muscle in a human body. We can measure the nerves through electromyography. We can, we can do lung function tests. We can do heart tests. We can do stress ECG tests. Wow. Um, we can literally almost test everything from all the ranges in the human body. We can have a look at your functionality, your biomechanics, and we can look at the kinematics of the human body. Sure. Um, so we can really hone in on every little aspect from angular's perspective. We can work out forces of how the body works and how one side is imbalanced to another side. All of those we can actually measure. So we focus a lot on objective measurements and subjective measurements. So yes, subjective scoring sheets, um, yeah. yeah, we love those. <laughs> we do a lot of subjective scoring sheets. Um, that's something I do in my own practice. Um, I actually start off with the subjective scoring sheet because once you've done that, you don't have to ask the multiple questions because it's already in a subjective scoring sheet, which is going to lead you to what objective measures you want to measure mm. for the outcome measures. So you can then formulate your clinical status indicators. And once you have your clinical status indicators, then right, then you wham bam your intervention plan and you are geared to help this patient on recovery.
just like uh, a medical doctor, taking a good his history is 90% of your diagnosis. That's fatigue. You, know, you got to ask the patients um, what their experience of the illness is, what are the symptoms they're feeling, and then you go hunting for signs to confirm your diagnosis. So I think already just in this conversation, I'm, I'm appreciating that our audience is going to have a growing understanding and appreciation of what allied professionals go through. Um, one of the questions that I prepared is, you know, what does a typical work week look like for you? And you've already answered to a fair, fair degree, but how much time is actually spent behind a desk? How much time is looking at data? And how much time do you spend physically moving a patient and spending time in the gym with the patient to help mm -hmm. rehabilitate them? Yeah, absolutely. So a typical work week for a bioanalysis that's employed is obviously according to the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, okay. where it's the 45-hour work week, including lunch, but yes, there's, as you know, there's, there's the roaring <laughs> laughter of thousands of interns who hear that. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, so that is a hope for all the employers listening yes. to that part, um, although they don't really um, um, put it in action. But as you know, obviously, when you're starting your own practice, uh, the game changes. So personally, for me, when I started my own practice, uh, I started off with seven to seven straight away. So I worked from 7 o'clock in the morning till 7 o'clock in the evening. What a blessing that you were so busy to begin with. Yeah, on your own no, absolutely. Thank God. Um, within the first four or five months, and look, it took some time to obviously build the practice. But once we got going, uh, we were quite busy. And then on mm -hmm. Fridays, we finished till at 5 o'clock and Saturdays, we were back from 7 till 1 o'clock again. Um, so over the years, as I become matured and as I grew in my personal capacity as a family man as well, I got married, I had children, uh, my, my, my time for mm -hmm. practice be, um, changed as well. Mm -hmm. So um, that minimized to, let's say, from 7 till 5 and 9 to 7. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it became 11 to 7 and then from 6 to 2. And now, currently my practice, how I work is, is I see, see patients only from 6 till 12 o'clock. And then from 12 o'clock till 2 o'clock. Yes. I do patient management and I do practice management because that's a vital key and for any successful practice that I can tell you now, one day when you have your own practice, that is something that is key to have. Mm. It's that time where you spend on patient management and practice management. Go through your records for the patients that you've seen for the day, update the prescriptions, update the loading for the exercises, uh, practice management, making sure that reports are sent out, Billing, invoicing, all of those type of things is seen out. So that is my typical Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I only start at 12 o'clock. Then I see patients from 12 o'clock till 7 o'clock at night. Okay. But then I have patient and practice management then from 10 o'clock till 12 o'clock. In the morning. In the morning, yes. Wow. So that's, that's a whole 10 hours of your week that you're devoting to just running your practice, doing the paperwork, the admin, mm -hmm. and like you say, following up on patients' results, adding things to their, yeah. their schedules. Wow. Absolutely, and that's vital because often, often that's where we lose patients is because of a lack of care. And the lack of care is not because you don't care, it's just because of lack of management. Mm. And because of the lack of management, it's not because you, on a weekly, on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, mm. follow up with that patient to see, hey, how are you doing? That prescription I've sent you, um, are you feeling better uh, or are you not feeling better? You know, have you recovered? Have you not recovered? Is there something that I can assist with yes. uh, in a process? You know, did we prescribe correctly or did we not prescribe correctly? You understand? Yeah. Yeah. And that is vitally important because then a patient will come back and give you better feedback. And that's how you, how you improve the efficiency around your intervention plans and also the whole care process. 
Because often patients don't always recover. Yeah. Not every patient recover. And that's yeah. where you have to step in and say, okay, right, you know, I've done what I could. From here on, I cannot do anything more. So I would suggest, let's have a look at maybe sending you from an allied perspective, from a health professional's perspective. We would say, okay, maybe go and see a sports physician. A sports mm. physician might be a person, or we might refer back to the surgeon. And then with the, research, the surgeon, we would say, here's the report. Uh, here you can see the patient's symptoms are improving, but maybe the, the strength is not improving. Uh, or maybe the strength is improving, but the symptoms isn't improving. The mm. pain remains high. Mm. So something somewhere is not right. You understand? But that comes all down to management. And yes, going back to how we work in a practice, that is practically how we work. Now, some people might throw me with tomatoes here and say, oh, I'm married and I have children and I'm still working from six till seven. Yes, there is. You know, typically as a biokineticist, because our sessions aren't like a 10, 15, 20 minute consultation, we generally minimum 30 to 45 to 60 minute consultations. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So we might start early in the day. So some yes. biokineticists you will find in, in some gymnasiums, um, such as Virgin Active Planet Fitness, um, other gymnasiums, um, even at CrossFit, some CrossFitters, uh, CrossFit uh, boxes, they call it, uh, you might actually find some bikineticists there as well. And those guys start actually early in the morning. Some of them start even four or five o'clock in the morning. Wow. Um, but then they obviously uh, uh, end early in the day, or some of them even might work later. Mm. Because a lot of people uh, who's being rehabilitated only have time for such long consultations, maybe before work and after work, or maybe mm. lunchtime. Mm. So you will find that normally those times for bikineticists is quite busy and the other, other times might be time for a bit of a lunch or maybe gym awesome. keeping ourselves healthy yeah so what would you say are the benefits or the pluses of your work and what would you say are the pitfalls or negatives so usually when we put this question to specialists in the medical field you know we're asking an ortho, orthopedic surgeon or we're asking let's say I was asking Obzengani what are the positives what are the negatives you know, they'll talk about, oh, the positives are I get to be a lead surgeon, I get to deliver babies, it's really rewarding to help these moms who have hard pregnancies to deliver a safe, healthy baby, and mom and baby are fine. And then I talk about the negatives, oh, the surgeons always blame us for cutting the ureters, etc. What are the pluses and minuses? And this can be work-related, mm -hmm. it can be your scope-related, it can also be the interrelationship and interplay with other health professionals. Let's yeah. talk about that. Sure. Simon. So, um, as a, as a general biokinetics consensus, mm -hmm. I think there's nothing as rewarding to see maybe a stroke patient walking again, um, or to see maybe a rapid player so scoring that try after you've just rehabilitated his ACL, sure. or seeing maybe the um, cyclists running the SA champs uh, after you've uh, in, uh, rehabilitated his shoulder or mm -hmm. his back. Um, I suppose that is probably the most rewarding aspect from a general consensus of the biochemics uh, field. From my side, what I kind of enjoy in, in our field is, is that, not to make comparisons to other professions, but I get the opportunity to spend 45 to 60 minutes with the patient. And I tend to see a, a patient two to three times a week, mm. if not maybe more, depending if it's chronic or not. So I really appreciate that because I really get to build a relationship with the patient. 
Uh, I often find it very hard when a patient, especially from overseas, I tend to see quite a few patients from overseas, and they will come in for one consultation, in one consultation I've got to assess and prescribe, and then send them off and I don't see them again. Sure. Um, so I kind of don't like that, mm-hmm. and I kind of like to build that relationship with the patient. That is for me the positives about our profession, is you get to build a quality relationship with the patient, and you walk in this journey with the patient, and that gives you more time to really evaluate the situation of the patient or the condition of the patient better, yes. and that allows you also to better prescribe and to better intervene in that process. Yeah. When it comes to the pitfalls that I was waiting for, <laughs> when it comes to the pitfalls, lead on to your previous question. I suppose sometimes it can lead to long hours, mm-hmm. but show me a medical profession that's actually not long yeah. hours. It's long hours, so in general, when we compare work to work, uh, it's long hours. When we compare professionals to professionals, maybe it's not that long. Attorneys, lawyers probably work maybe longer than us yeah. sometimes. You know, Accountants work maybe just as long as us. But I suppose the, the long hours is really the pitfall. I think one of our biggest pitfalls currently, or shortcomings in our profession, is just our billing to our tariff coding. Maybe we can increase our billing rates according to our tariff codes. We have recently increased our tariff codes. We're just waiting for the final, final sign-off from the uh, Council of Medical Schemes. We've also updated now our scope uh, for our profession. We're also just in the process waiting for the the Minister of Health to sign that off. So that will improve the pitfalls that we currently have. But otherwise, other pitfalls... I don't really focus that much on weaknesses. Mm-hmm. If I really focus on it, I could probably give you more. Mm-hmm. But I tend to rather focus on the positives mm-hmm. and the strengths in it. Because otherwise, that's where you can become quite frustrated. Mm-hmm. You can become quite stale, stagnant. And you can lose focus of, of your passion in your life, of what you really enjoy and what you want to do. And that's often where we see a lot of biokineticists moving on. And they might become um, medical reps. It's a quite a common thing. Sure. They, they actually might leave the profession for other professions. They might study something else. Um, or they might just become housewives or housewives. <laughs> yeah. So, Betsy, if I was to ask you, um, if it was something that you could communicate to junior doctors and medical students, our audience is primarily medical students mm-hmm. and junior doctors, so that's interns or concert mm-hmm. doctors in South Africa, what would you like them to know about biokinetics, about biokineticists, um, and maybe even talk to how we can be better mm-hmm. managers of our own health uh, and this is not a free consultation for all the medical students, but uh, you know, what would you like us to know? Simon, teamwork makes the dream work. Period. That is what's vitally important. And what I would like the medical, the junior medical um, students or medical professionals want to know is, is that we are a team. Mm-hmm. This is not a one-man show. Um, you know, reaching your goals one by one is much harder than two by two or three by three. So it's vitally important to understand and know that we as biokineticists are part of the team. Um, our vision in our profession is to become recognized leaders and vital collaborators within the health sector of South Africa. So yes, we are collaborators and we want to be seen as someone within the team that's vitally important. And along with all the other professionals, you, you know, generally what makes up a good team within the medical field is uh, a general practitioner with the specialists and then 
potentially the physiotherapists, the bike nurses, maybe the chiropractor is part of it, the dietitian might be part of it, um, the speech therapist might be part of it, the occupational therapist part yeah. of it. So all of that, we are a team. And to understand that the, the care of the patient, I always say it's only criminal to end the care with one profession. Although the Although there is a cost factor involved, and the, the more professionals are involved, the more costs are involved. Mm. But I see it in a different perspective, that the care is often shortened with in, including all the professionals in their own specialities to assist in the care of the patient. Then actually stick with one profession and let that care, because that obviously is prolonged and it can be shortened. So... Teamwork makes the dream work, Simon, and that's where we're fitting in. We are a team player, and we are, want to be seen as a team player with the medical professionals, with all the doctors and the surgeons, and um, we are happy to work with all of them, and we are working with all of them, but we would love to work more with them, yes. Awesome. So what does the next 10 years look like for biokinetics? What uh, new developments, what new advancements, if you were to forecast what 2032 would look like? in the world of biokinetics? The world of biokinetics is moving a lot into what we referred to earlier as evidence-based medicine. We are really focusing a lot in that aspect now. Where the medical field is currently moving into from not only a biokinetics perspective, mm -hmm. but we can see a lot more in the world mm -hmm. and where the country is start putting funds and resources and focuses and energy towards mm -hmm. is your non-communicable diseases, okay. right? So, so obviously, we as biokineticists, that's where biokinetics started off, is with the cardiac patients in, in, in uh, one mile, uh, Pretoria, and, and also in Poch, Twemel, they used to call it in Africa, <laughs> and, and, and the other areas uh, in the military. And so we're going to continue focusing on, especially venturing into non-communicable diseases, but exercise is our game. So we continue strengthening ourselves with exercise. And we have seen over the years that exercise stays tops mm. for the primary medicine. Now when I say medicine, I talk about not pharmacology, I'm talking about the product that you offer or provide, the service that you provide as a medicative if it, uh, uh, intervention to, to assist in the whole care process. So we continue with exercise and once again now in the last five, seven years, we've seen again that exercise is just once again becoming stronger and stronger. So all we do is, is we position ourselves in the one care modality that we are specialists in and that's exercise. So yes. we're going to continue strengthening ourselves in that area. Yeah, and I, I love, I mean, I really enjoyed the module at, at medical school at Wits. We had an exercise as medicine module and there's no single intervention that can compare to exercise in terms of the benefits for cardiovascular health, for decreasing your risk of diabetes, for certain cancers, for uh, lowering your risk for depression. Like all cause morbidity, mortality and morbidity goes down mm -hmm. exponentially the more people take their exercise seriously. And yeah. we follow the FIT model with frequency, intensity, time and time. Um, this, is the, this is what I love is that although the, the concepts are completely, aren't completely foreign to us as medical doctors, you really know it at a level that is far, far, far more nuanced and exquisite than our very limited kind of six-week <laughs> module understanding. Um, and that's why I think this conversation is so important, is for us to recognize and respect the different roles that everyone in the MDT plays. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for us as doctors to also learn from you. 
you know, to, to come to a biking lessons and say, me as a doctor, I'm trying to improve my own health, my own exercise, but I also recognize that there's so much you can do for my patients yeah, to help me to improve, you know? Yeah. Um, so if there's something that you're currently working on or anything that you're kind of very passionate about at the moment, would you mind sharing with us what's, what's your kind of ongoing projects that you'd like to reach fruition? So just to add on to your previous comment, uh, on behalf of the whole Bikinetics profession, um, we welcome any doctor to contact any Bikineticist at any time to ask for any exercise advice. Uh, I'm pretty sure we as a professional very, um, would be very happy to assist any doctor with that aspect. And you did mention that the tariffs are extremely low, so we need to <laughs> maximize our opportunities we now need to, we need and come and pay while we can. <laughs> Absolutely. Ongoing processes, being the president of the Bike Clinic Association currently, that's my primary focus within our profession. Um, I have one more year left, uh, uh, one year and one month left. My term comes to an end next year, 1st of December. So all my focus is, is currently in the organization to, to manage the profession, but also to lead the profession and to advance the profession. In terms of my current uh, role as a bioconeticist in my private practice, we are primarily focusing on strengthening ourselves in the patient management of, of, of our profession. That is something where we as a profession have identified a weakness in the last few years mm -hmm. and we correcting that weakness now to strengthen that. And we are in the process to build software to manage the patient more effectively and also productively, um, all based upon evidence-based medicine that we are working on. So not only just practice management, which, sure. which we have worked on the last 10 years to strengthen ourselves, we are really strong, I believe, as biochemists when it comes to practice management, but the patient management, like I mentioned to you earlier, that is for us key. And that is where we're putting our focuses on now for in, in the next venture for us, is just purely focusing on that aspect of managing the patient correctly, effectively, and also productively for the biochemists from mm -hmm. a time perspective and from a cost perspective. Now it's clear from our conversation that one of your passions is leadership and for personal development of the healthcare professional. Um, if there's any books or any resources that you would recommend for uh, healthcare professionals just to improve ourselves as individuals uh, and as professionals, what would you recommend that we read or listen to? Absolutely. So I've done so many leadership talks uh, to our profession um, in the last year, conference uh, at our roadshows. We've done many, I've been invited on numerous occasions for interviews and podcasts for leadership development. That is something where I, when I became vice president, so when you're vice president, you automatically the incoming president. Okay. So during that time, I realized that there's only one way to influence people, and that is leadership. And leadership is influence, period. Nothing more, nothing less. So I studied a lot of work, although I've done leadership all a whole part of my career, um, trying to strengthen myself as a leader within a practice and also within a profession. I would say my, my leading author, which I follow from a leadership perspective, is John Maxwell. Mm -hmm. I do believe John Maxwell actually understands leadership exceptionally well. So I love following John Maxwell's. I listen to a lot of his podcasts. So if you go on Spotify, and you actually go onto his website, you can yeah. see there's a lot of uh, podcasts there. Um, he has numerous books which you can read. Um, that has helped me and also my profession. Secondly, Marcus Buckingham. 
um, is quite a good uh, author and speaker to venture into when it comes to strengths. He's got a test called Strengths Finder. So if you want to understand your strengths better, do that test. That is helping exceptionally well. So when I, did, uh, when I became uh, vice president, I did that test. And that actually helped me as a leader to lead the profession much better as well. To actually see, wow, those are really my strengths. So yes, let's hone in on, on those factors. Anthony Robbins, okay. uh, from aggressive point of view, uh, I love his, his stuff. I'm also focused a lot on Anthony Robbins, or Tony Robbins it's called. Um, apart from all the swearing, but he's just, I love his energy. Um, someone that feeds off him a lot as well is Robin Banks from South Africa. I've learned also quite a lot of things from Robin Banks in terms of the energy, in terms of the mindset, mm-hmm. um, how we actually convert our energies into positive energy, those type of aspects. So I've learned quite a lot from those type of people. Um, but there's numerous, I mean, you're more than welcome to um, find me on social media maybe, or find my practice. And I'm happy to share all my resources uh, with you if you would like to. Yeah. Awesome. So now just for a little bit of fun, because we're reaching the end of our, our interview now. If you were to, I mean, if you were to lower yourself to the standards of becoming a medical student and then going on to specialize in medicine, um, what kind of doctor do you think you would be good at and what would you not be good at? Mm, what would I not be good at? Okay, what would you not be? What would I not be good at? Uh, geriatrics. <laughs> Maybe, I Even though I'm sure that you have older patients. I do. Yeah. I do. So what is it about geriatric care that would put you off that you wouldn't... I do. I, mm, I, like the, I like the energy around people. I, yeah. I like the performance around people. Yeah. I like the, the, the intricacies around the movement okay. of the, the human body. Where yes. with geriatrics... A lot of geriatrics actually boils a lot more down to chronic, Mm -hmm. a lot of illnesses and diseases. So that will probably lead me to not becoming an ENT Mm -hmm. or a cardiologist Mm -hmm. or a pulmonologist Mm -hmm. uh, or oncologist. Okay. If that makes sense. So what would you be? It sounds sounds like you're being more like acute care surgery or something like that. Sports medicine. So I would love to move into maybe a sports physician. Mm -hmm. Uh, Orthopedic surgeon would be quite cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even a, a neurosurgeon would be also quite cool. Um, I've, I've stood into many um, um, surgeries oh, wow. with ne- neurosurgeons, uh, very good neurosurgeons. So those opportunities do exist for biokineticists to work very closely with uh, orthopedic surgeons, neurosurgeons. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. The amount of times I've stood in knee surgeries. So you've scrubbed in and... No, 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 no. <laughs> Observation, just observing. Because it gives you a whole different perspective. Yes. When the patient comes in and you treat their knee for a total knee replacement, yeah. but now once you've seen the surgery of how the knee replacement was done yeah. and the actual damage that has occurred during that surgery, it, it's a completely different perspective sure. of your approach towards how you're going to wow. take it. Yeah. So I made note of that, that um, I stood in with uh, one of the very famous surgeons here in Rosebank. Mm-hmm. I stood in probably on multiple surgeries. So well that I kind of knew already what a dum- double bundle surgery is going to be, where, like where it's going to take the, the autograph from or the autograph from. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly where it was going to cut. Like I was like, I can almost, I can almost do this, you know. <laughs> if, if the assistant, if the assist, assistant collapses now, assistant yeah. surgeon collapses, yeah. I think I can quickly scrub myself and jump in, but not quite, you know. Yeah. So I would love to, I think orthopedic surgeon would be quite cool yeah. to do knee replacements, do hip replacements, 
I didn't think about shoulder replacements and no, elbow and those type of joint replacements, but I think that would be quite cool. So yeah, yeah, it's been, nice. it's been an absolutely wonderful conversation. The time has flown by, and I need to respect your time because you do thank have somewhere you. to be. But thank you so much for the input, for the conversation, just for being a wonderful human being on the podcast. I think we've learned a lot. Uh, certainly for me, I have learned to appreciate the evidence-based approach that biokinesis mm-hmm. take. It's, there is this objective, of course, but there is a, a very scientific base behind. And uh, I think as junior doctors, we need to be cognizant of that and respect your role within the MDT. So thank you, Betty, for imparting so much into the podcast. I think it's been great to have a different take and a little bit of a laugh as well along yeah, the way. Absolutely, yeah. so, Simon, thank you to you and thank you for this opportunity and thank you for inviting us as a profession. I really appreciate this. And for all the listeners and the viewers, uh, I really hope you guys have learned. Um, there's just so much more to say. Uh, you guys are more than welcome to go to our website. I mentioned it earlier, biokineticssa.org.za. Go and have a look at our website. Go and see what we're all about. And yes, hopefully we we'll get to meet you guys in the near future. So yes, cheers. Sir. <laughs> awesome, Betty. Thank you. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. Don't forget to check out Aestheticos Portrait Studio on Instagram or at www.aestheticos.art for a professional photo shoot. If you know of a senior registrar or a consultant in a specialty that you would like featured on the Dr. Coffee podcast, please get in touch. The podcast's email address is drcoffeeza at gmail.com. That's drcoffeeza with no punctuation marks. We're also on Instagram and YouTube with the username at drcoffeeza. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe and please share with a medical student or junior doctor in your world. Thank you so much for your support.